This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. You are listening to The Arenality on RFM. Kia ora everyone, my name is Arena Aiza and thank you for tuning in on Otago Access Radio for my podcast and radio show, The Arenality. The Arenality is a platform for women with international backgrounds on their cultural identities, belonging and well-being in Aotearoa. Today, we have Sumin Seo, my good friend from Christchurch, um, who graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Education and currently studying counselling at UC. So she is a Korean, uh, born in New Zealand, and I'm really interested to hear her story today. Kia ora. Hi, thank you for having me. Yay! Uh, how did we met? You remember the oh. first time? We've actually only met a handful of times. Yeah. Um, but like short, short I, yeah, very of time. short periods. Um, the first time we met was actually at the um, Oksa and Silver Line event that happens, Oksa being the Otago Korean Student Association. Mm. Um, we had this event called Our House around Asian Mental Health. Um, I love that event. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was. It was really, it was something we we're really proud of, actually. Yeah. yeah. When Silverline and Oxa had an event, I and I went to it. I didn't realize that was something I needed. If you know what I mean, like yeah. there are things that 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 that's never come across my mind, mm. and when it happened, like oh my god, I didn't realize I needed this. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good to hear. We yeah. had really good feedback from it. Um, I think all of us just needed a space where that conversation could begin and be talked about. And so we were trying to facilitate that. So I'm glad that it worked. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Can you tell us like a brief summary of the uh, the purpose of the event that happened? Yeah. So, well, we acknowledge the fact that New Zealand is such a diverse place. Um, and we, especially among the student population, we have so many Asian students, but there wasn't a lot of support or um, awareness around mental health being done. And so Oksa reached out to Silver Line being like, is this something you guys could get behind? And they were really keen um, because they're all about, you know, having more diversity and being inclusive. Um, And so when we talked about them, we were like, yo, we could do this and actually create a space where people are comfortable to be able to talk about this unique experience of growing up with two cultures. And that's kind of what happened. And we had this great little cute event that a lot of people showed up to and it was really heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. I think I loved that uh, you decorated the whole house. Mm. It was this event space, but it was um, differentiated by parts of the house. There was like a lot of um, Asian snacks around. Yeah, yeah. It just really felt like home. Yeah. yeah, we had all that stuff and we had like tea if you wanted. Yeah. Um, and a round table. Yeah, a round table, Lazy <laughs> yeah. Susan, yeah. yes. Uh, we had all that around as well, so that was good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I remember really needing that that time because mm. that was like during near exam time, right? Yeah, it was a couple weeks before exam period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yay, now I'm in Christchurch and I got to meet welcome, you. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> so we get to have a real conversation mm-hmm. and let's learn about you because I think our listeners are keen to hear more about the things you do because you are really fascinating. Oh, wow, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So you graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Education, similar like me, but mm-hmm. uh, your assist education mine was uh, Gender Studies. And uh, you wore a hanbok at graduation. Yeah. Um, so 
did a Bachelor of Arts in Education and Psychology, and I absolutely adored it. It was incredible. Um, cannot recommend that enough if anyone mm. is looking for what to do with their future. Um, and yeah, for my graduation, I decided to wear a hanbok, which is a traditional Korean dress. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but I decided, you know, it represents my culture, which is such a big part of me. And I'm so mm. proud of it. Yeah. And when else will I get the opportunity to express myself like that? Yeah. Um, so On a yeah. special day. Yeah, yeah. 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 I wore my kain batik. A Malaysian batik skirt to my graduation, people were like, Oh, is this Malaysian culture? Like, yeah. So yeah. it was a good showcase, you know, of representation because I could wear a red dress if I want, mm. but um, I just want to just be different, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I am different from yeah. everyone else. I think that was really cool that you mentioned that because I also had a couple people come up and be like, oh, your dress is like fantastic. And then I got to talk a bit about my culture as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were, I was surprised at how many people knew what it was as well. Ah. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. So you grew up bicultural, mm-hmm. meaning you were you are ethnically uh, Korean, but you mm-hmm. were born in New Zealand. But there, the the two cultures are very different. How was yeah. that growing up for you? Um. So yeah, whenever I introduce myself, I make sure to say I'm ethnically Korean, but born and raised in New Zealand. Um. Just so that gives people a bit of a background, because mm. as soon as they start hearing me speak, they're like, "That is a very Kiwi accent." Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So it's been interesting, because I think you end up being in a place where you don't fit in with either groups like perfectly. Mm. So I'm not perfectly Korean, but I'm not perfectly Kiwi because obviously I physically look quite different. And you Um, were raised with mm. uh, Korean parents. Yeah, Uh, exactly. So when I was growing up at home, like, you know, we would be doing all the Korean things because they gratefully put an effort to make sure we knew our culture. So I'd speak Korean at home, eat Korean food do all those things, and then I'd go to school and my packed lunches would look different from everyone else's. And then I would have to learn how to speak English as well. So, yeah. Um, What were the most... Because you you did mention about um, being in a Korean household. What was the most um, frequently asked questions from your friends about you and, like, what you look like and why it's different to you uh, growing up, maybe in primary school? Because mm. primary school kids were very curious, but they weren't, yeah. like, mean curious. They are yeah. just, like, like, nicely curious. Yeah, I think they were, like, I think when you're in primary school, you're genuinely, like, a bit inquisitive about yeah. things. Um, and when someone looks physically different to you, you're just intrigued by it. It's not anything mean. Um, but I think whenever my friends came over or anything like that, they would be confused because we used to take our shoes off oh. at the door. Yeah. <laughs> And they didn't understand that. Um, And so that kind of stuff, or even like the food we ate, they were like, I don't understand how you eat with chopsticks. Um, How how does it not fell off? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if you've never used chopsticks, I don't blame you. They're like hard to use. So there was that. Um, Yeah. How did you explain to your friends um, to take off their shoes though? I guess we just made them take them off. Um, but I don't know. It was I never actually like dove too deep into it. I just knew it was something that we did. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember telling my friends that, oh, it's because my mom just vacuumed our carpet. Because I didn't know how to say it. Mm. I didn't know how to say that because this is a secret part of the house. Yeah. Where you to take your shoes off. <laughs> Especially when you're young. That's yeah. going to be a bit of a spiel to spit yeah. out. So you're just like, we just do this thing, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, and we didn't know that um, that 
and other houses they don't take off their shoes off that was funny oh my gosh and one of the things i know we're talking about primary school but as we got older um because in korean the korean language you like speak very formally to adults uh, and things like that uh-huh. but like my friend's parents would be like oh call me by my first name and i'd be like oh, how could i yeah. like <laughs> you just want us to call them auntie yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah 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 i had that culture shock uh when i came back to new zealand because i couldn't call my teachers mr or sir because that's weird because <laughs> they were like oh please don't do that to me <laughs> yeah but yeah. uh it's definitely you know learning about the differences really help actually. yeah they do yeah and and you're also passionate about sexual violence prevention mm-hmm. yep so while i was down in dunedin a little cheeky shout out to to fare tafaro and the team down there which is a place of shelter against sexual violence mm. um and we do a lot of prevention work a lot of support work and advocacy uh because we want you know, this place to be safe for students. We want it to be a better, a healthier place where people can actually feel safe. Mm. Um, And we realized that it was an issue, especially regarding, you know, that student life when people have moved away from home, you know, they have this freedom, they have this like experiencing like, you know. Mm. And so while we were doing that, um, I got involved with Te Whare Tawhiro running prevention workshops around first year at halls because that is definitely the most vulnerable time. Coming out of high school, Mm. not knowing what this student culture in Dunedin is like. Oh, yeah, Yeah. exactly. I don't think a lot of people know what they're getting into. And on top of that, it's a very stressful time. Like, it's a very freeing yet stressful time. Uh, And there's peer pressure as Uh, well. Yeah. Like, you want to make friends, Mm. but, um, you know, there's always some restrictions on that because it goes against, might go against your personal values, but yep. you have to make friends. So, yeah. And that is the Dunedin student culture, to, yeah. like to party. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Very big party culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so we kind we like went around the halls and did that. And that was really good. Like the response we have from the students is incredible. And they do know this. And they do like, when you relate to them and be like, you want to keep your mates safe. Yeah. then that makes just so much more sense to them. Uh, um, yeah, and so that was something I was super passionate about and got super involved in. And I also got trained as a peer support volunteer mm. as well. So I would be the first person of contact if anyone came through our doors at Te Whare mm. um, And yeah, just being able to support people if anything has happened mm. or they just want to talk about it or they have questions about it. We had a couple groups reach out to us, uh, student associations, mm-hmm. um, wanting to make sure that what they were doing was to a healthy climate. Oh, so that was really good as well. Good, like, yeah. you know, there was lots of cross-involvement throughout the university. They were very supportive of it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. And I know that the details are confidential, but how many times did you meet people throughout your time at Te Whare people who shared uh, what was going on to them? Oh, I don't think I can disclose that, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it is still an issue, is it's all I'll say. Issue. It is an issue. And it's also the severity of it will be different. Some mm-hmm. people will have things in the past that's, you know, been brought up, mm-hmm. and some people will have things that have happened immediately, mm-hmm. um, and we meet them where they need to be met, and yeah. we just go from there. Yeah. yeah. And I like how it's um, survival-led, meaning mm-hmm. that... Uh, 
uh, it's their choice whether they want to go further with the uh, issue to go to the police. Um, mm-hmm. And Tefari Tafara will be there to support them. But yeah. if they don't want to, if they're not ready, and that's okay, mm-hmm. they're not going to be forced to do it. Yes, yeah. it, it is a very safe place. Um, and even if you have questions or just want to ask or anything, I would definitely recommend dropping by. Everyone's friendly. And there's a there's a dog there as well, support yeah. dog called Blue. So, you know, <laughs> if you want a little cuddle. Uh, um, but, yeah, it's survivor-led and we don't use any words like victim. It's always, you know, survivor. survivor yeah. yeah. And I realized that coming here, the mm-hmm. usage of the word survivor is really empowering because mm. I've never heard that word being used like back home yeah like it's always like oh the victim the victim yeah but the word survivor is actually it changes the whole story of what happened mm-hmm. to them definitely there's yeah. this whole narrative that comes with it yeah of having overcome you know uh, yeah and then the word victim blaming as well mm. you know that yeah. that that term came up because um, we associate those people as victims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Language is so important. Uh, and I think with any role you go through, you will realize the importance of language. Yeah. yeah. And you're passionate about mental well-being as well. And you're actually studying counseling at the moment yep. at UC. Yep. Can you tell me why you went through that path? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I did my Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Education and I was super passionate about that and that honestly I was like, yes, this is I love everything about this. But rather than go down the more academic route, I wanted to give myself the opportunity to try something a bit more practical and maybe get a bit more hands-on experience. And so I moved to Christchurch where I barely <laughs> knew anyone and then decided to do the counseling course here. And it has mm-hmm. been it's been very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any other universities that offer counselling? Yeah, um, so I think, well, Auckland offers it as well, and so does Hamilton, and I think it's Palmerston North. And you chose Christchurch? Yes, I chose, it was actually a process of elimination, it wasn't my first choice, <laughs> but no one needs to know that. Yeah. Uh, um. But no, yeah, but I'm so glad that I moved to Christchurch, I think it is the perfect city for me at this moment, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Because we were talking about meeting up and uh, I asked you, like, where are you based in right now? Christchurch. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was because, yeah. yeah, there were so many. I genuinely did not know what I was going to do or where I was going to be. Mm. Um, but having to stay in New Zealand, I decided to study further. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And what part about counselling do you like? I think the part with counselling that I like the most is it's not just about getting people from this state of like despair and sadness to just being okay. I think it's about getting them further. And so they getting the most out of their life as they can. Mm. Uh, And I think, you know, talking really does work. Like when it is done right, it's so empowering and it can help people way more than they actually think it will be able to help them. And I think on top of that as well, it's just, you know, it's a way of giving back, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had really good experiences with counseling as well. And I'm mm-hmm. really open to talking about it, uh-huh. like, with people. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Because yeah. I, like, every other Asian, well, not going to normalize that, but mm. I grew up thinking that people who need to go to counseling are people who 
need help、mm-hmm. in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, especially, definitely. Especially, especially in schools, because we would have these like counseling teachers, and whoever gets called or like just voluntarily want to go there, they're usually people who are like who have trouble. Mm-hmm. There's and, definitely that stigma around it, yeah. yeah. And I remember, like,、uh, in primary school, my friend went to the counseling, and like someone saw her、mm-hmm. going in there, and they told the whole class,、oh, "She went to counseling. Oh, probably like something happened between her parents." You know, they were yeah, just like、yeah. speculating all these crazy things about her, which was. So weird. I think that definitely does happen. Like, there's so much stigma around mental health, and you know, people are secretive about it. Yeah.、Um, yeah, and it is becoming more normalized, but I think within Asian cultures, it's still very negatively viewed.、Uh, yeah. Yeah. And how were you growing up、um, with your bicultural experiences、mm-hmm. and talking about mental health? Were you Was it easy to open up? Cause you, cause you are you grew up Kiwi, yeah. But you also have that, yeah, the Korean, Korean side, yeah. yeah. Um, so I sometimes say that I think a lot. I can only speak for the Korean culture, um, but that it's still very behind when we come to ideas around mental health and well being, because they still see it very much as a taboo topic.、Mm. It needs to be quiet. It needs to be resolved. Or if you are having mental health issues, it's because you're not resilient enough, or、mm. you're not strong enough, or you can't deal with it.、Mm. Um, and I think that does prevent a lot of people from getting the help that they do need.、Mm. So I kind of grew up with this weird conflict, where you know I had all these ideas installed in me, but also at the culture that I was being surrounded in and grown up in, the Kiwi culture was. More open about it,、hmm. and definitely in the past couple of years, New Zealand has been so progressive in、yeah. the mental well-being sector,、uh, which is great to see. We、yeah. love to see it.、Um, yeah, so it was really conflicting, but、yeah. I think I kind of got to a point where I was like, it's all about being able to speak up from your unique experience and being like, let's empower people so that they can be talking about this and that、yeah. they can get the help that they do actually need.、Uh, yeah, and it's really empowering to see those people just sharing their、mm. truth. You know,、mm. when you mentioned about、uh, the Korean culture, sometimes it, it's because of like lack of、uh, resilience that you're、mm. needing mental health support.、Mm. I think for my culture. Um, it's about like religion.、Mm. It's saying that like if you if you have mental health issues, it's probably because you didn't pray enough.、Uh, it's probably because、okay. you're not connected to God enough. Yeah. But now that we both learned psychology, we know that mental health is separate from spirituality.、Mm. And it took me a while to learn that, which、yeah. was a, which was funny because I I I think that's something so basic. Yeah. That mental health, health, physical, spiritual, and like emotional—that those are very different things.、Mm-hmm. They don't live on the same place.、Mm. Yeah, it's like they're all interlinked, but、yeah. they also have their own separate parts that they play. Yeah, because、yeah. I I I imagine mental health being like in the brain and also like the whole body,、mm. but spiritual is something like you can't see it.、Mm. It's just like. Within you,、mm-hmm. somehow floating around、yeah. with the universe as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. No, I think that is definitely you know being challenged in the way that you think, 
and for some people it comes naturally like for them it's like oh yeah this makes all sense but if you grow up in a different culture to the dominant one you're being raised in uh, you are always faced with challenges yeah, yeah yeah especially if you grow up with parents who don't have the same um who don't grow up in the same mm. society as you yeah you know yeah uh yeah, definitely had some interesting conversations with my parents yeah. around mental health and uh, stuff like that, but they're fully on board now, yeah. which is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it is our responsibility as well. Like, you, um, I assume, do you call yourself a third culture kid? Third culture kid? No, not really then. Cause yeah, you... I, because I was born here, I think, is that like second gen or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's so many, like... There's so many terms these Terms there, yeah. yeah. But, um... Because you have migrant parents. Yes. Okay. So children who have migrant parents, um, I think they do have this big responsibility to help their parents to understand this mm. is the new society that they're in. Yeah. Because uh, you grew up in the society, but they didn't. Exactly. So there must be a lot of things that's different to them, which mm. challenges their belief. Yeah. And their belief must be like stronger because they were from that exactly um, I always have to remind myself that whenever I do talk to my parents it has to come from a place of respect yeah because you know they had they did have a completely different experience growing up and that's going to be difficult when it is challenged so yeah definitely coming from a place of like compassion and respect for them yeah Yeah. and I do want to talk about like mental well-being because you are passionate about this Mm -hmm. how do you stay on top of your you know life oh wow um (laughs) I feel like it's so it's so classic but having good morning and nighttime routine is what keeps me going wow yeah that helps me um and also I love being around people I love being around friends so making sure I do take the time to take care of myself and Uh. letting myself get amongst my friends and just do some nice chill things but I would say having that time for myself that's for me in the mornings and afternoons to wind down is definitely what keeps me going yeah and you mentioned morning and night routines right can you share like what are my secrets yeah Um, (laughs) no so I'll be like in the morning I make sure or I try to journal most mornings which I'm pretty consistent with um, and then I don't know if I have nighttime routine, maybe something just like reading. It's just whatever kind of, you know, winds down you nicely. Oh, I try avoid staying on my phone though. I really do. I think. How do you avoid that? I avoid that. I chuck my phone across the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I actually do that, but uh. then other times I'll just, you know, put like a timer on my apps or something. Yeah. yeah. I tried doing that, but I realized that um, I would just like, like turn it yeah, off. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah, I've done that too. Like, I'm guilty. Yeah, like what's the point then? Yeah, you know? I uh, think yeah, I think it's about when you actually do get into that routine, it becomes more regular, and yeah. you can actually do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about in the morning? How mm-hmm. do, like do you wake up early? I actually, it's kind of funny because my friends think it's ridiculous as well. But most mornings, I'll wake up and go look at the sunrise out wow. my window <laughs> or I run onto the street and take photos I know and you love photography yes as well. I love photography yeah. and I love my sunrises and sunsets so when I wake up it's actually such a motivator even if it is cold like if there is a beautiful sunrise outside I'm going to run outside wow. and go look at it um so I think 
whatever just makes you want to get out of bed. Uh, and the thing is, it doesn't have to even be that extreme. Uh, um, like, know. I can't imagine waking <laughs> up before sunrise. Or... <laughs> yeah, it's a habit. Um, yeah. But then even something like, you know, just going to get a glass of water or something. Uh, whatever works for you, whatever's actually practical and sustainable is what is the best. Uh, yeah. yeah, I used to be such a night owl, but now mm-hmm. that I work full time, I, <laughs> I actually have to wake up in the morning. Yeah. And that's really hard oh, for the wow. first like, yeah. month. I'm still struggling though. Oh, yeah, wow. which is why I really I'm quite keen to hear about your yeah. how you do life. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of you. I've definitely always been a bit of a morning owl. Am I morning owl? Morning bird? Uh, oh my gosh. Um morning but yeah. bird. Morning bird, morning what what night, is it? Night, night owl. owl. Uh, morning, morning. I don't morning person. <laughs> morning, yeah. Morning, morning person. Bird, yeah. I have no idea. Uh. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh yay! Yeah. So we're gonna wrap this interview soon. Mm-hmm. Do you have any last advice you like to share to our listeners? Um, wow. I think it would just be if there are things that you care about and you're passionate about really do put time and effort into it because it will be so rewarding and you'll get so much more out of it than you think you ever will. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And do you think that you found your passion now? Well, I think there's a couple of things I'm very passionate about and slowly weaving through and finding more ways I can incorporate those into my day-to-day lives. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Thank you so much, Suin. Sweet. Thank you. That is the end of our episode of The Arenality today. I, I hope you learned a lot about Sumin, about her bicultural experience being a Korean New Zealander and conversations about Asian mental health. If anyone would like to contact me, feel free to email aizalarena at gmail.com. You can also follow me on my Instagram at arenaiza. Otherwise, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye! You've been listening to The Arenality on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.